Section 3 of State of the Union Addresses by United States Presidents, 1893 through 1896. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Grover Cleveland, December 4th, 1893, Part 3. The Secretary of the Interior has the supervision of so many important subjects that his report is of a special value and interest. On the 30th day of June, 1893, there were, on the pension rolls, 966,012 names, an increase of 89,944 over the number on the rolls June 30th, 1892. Of these, there were seventeen widows and daughters of revolutionary soldiers, eighty-six survivors of the War of 1812, 5,425 widows of soldiers of that war, 21,518 survivors and widows of the Mexican War, 3,882 survivors and widows of Indian Wars, 284 army nurses, and 475 1,645 survivors and widows and children of deceased soldiers and sailors of the War of the Rebellion. The latter number represents those pensioned on account of disabilities or death resulting from Army and Navy service. The number of persons remaining on the rolls, June 30, 1893, who were pensioned under the Act of June 27, 1890, which allows pensions on account of death and disability not chargeable to army service was four hundred and fifty nine thousand one hundred and fifty five the number added to the rolls during the year was one hundred and twenty three thousand six hundred and thirty four and the number dropped was thirty three thousand six hundred and ninety the first payments on pensions allowed during the year amounted to thirty three million seven hundred and fifty six thousand five hundred and forty nine dollars and ninety eight cents this includes arrears or the accumulation between the time from which the allowance of pension dates and the time of actually granting the certificate. Although the law of 1890 permits pensions for disabilities not related to military service, yet as a requisite to its benefits, a disability must exist in capacitating applicants from the performance of manual labor to such a degree as to render them unable to earn a support. The execution of this law in its early stages does not seem to have been in accord with its true intention, but toward the close of the last administration, an authoritative construction was given to the statute, and since that time this construction has been followed. This has had the effect of limiting the operation of the law to its intended purpose. The discovery having been made that many names have been put on the pension roll by means of wholesale and gigantic frauds. The commissioner suspended payments upon a number of pensions which seemed to be fraudulent or unauthorized, pending a complete examination, giving notice to the pensioners in order that they might have an opportunity to establish, if possible, the justice of their claims, notwithstanding apparent invalidity. This, I understand, is the practice which has for a long time prevailed in the Pension Bureau, but after entering upon these recent investigations, the Commissioner modified this rule so as not to allow, until after a complete examination, interference with a payment of a pension apparently not altogether void. 
but which merely had been fixed at a rate higher than that authorized by law i am unable to understand why frauds in the pension rolls should not be exposed and corrected with thoroughness and vigor every name fraudulently put on these rolls is a wicked imposition upon the kindly sentiment in which pensions have their origin every fraudulent pensioner has become a bad citizen every false oath in support of a pension has made perjury more common and false and undeserving pensioners rob the people not only of their money but of the patriotic sentiment which the survivors of a war fought for the preservation of the union ought to inspire thousands of neighborhoods have their well-known fraudulent pensioners and recent developments by the bureau establish appalling conspiracies to accomplish pension frauds by no means the least wrong done is to brave and deserving pensioners who who certainly ought not to be condemned to such association those who attempt in the line of duty to rectify these wrongs should not be accused of enmity or indifference to the claims of honest veterans the sum expended on account of pensions for the year ending june thirtieth eighteen ninety three was one hundred and fifty six million seven hundred and forty thousand four hundred and sixty seven dollars and fourteen cents the commissioner estimates that one hundred and sixty five million dollars will be required to pay pensions during the year ending june thirtieth eighteen ninety four the conditions of the indians in their ultimate fate are subjects which are related to a sacred duty of the government and which strongly appeal to the sense of justice and the sympathy of our people our indians number about two hundred and forty eight thousand most of them are located on a hundred and sixty one reservations containing eighty six million one hundred and sixteen thousand five hundred and thirty one acres of land about a hundred and ten thousand of these indians have to a large degree adopted civilized customs lands in severalty have been allotted to many of them such allotments have been made to ten thousand individuals during the last fiscal year embracing about one million acres the number of indian government schools opened during the year was one hundred and ninety five an increase of twelve over the preceding year of this total a hundred and seventy were on reservations of which seventy-three were boarding schools and ninety-seven were day schools twenty boarding schools and five day schools supported by the government were not located on reservations the total number of indian children enrolled during the year as attendants of all schools was twenty one thousand one hundred and thirty eight an increase of one thousand two hundred and thirty one over the enrollment for the previous year i am sure that secular education and moral and religious teaching must be important factors in any effort to save the indian and lead him to civilization i believe too that the relinquishment of tribal relations and the holding of land in severalty may in favorable conditions aid this consummation it seems to me however that allotments of land in severalty ought to be made with great care and circumspection if hastily done before the indian knows its meaning while yet he has little or no idea of tilling a farm and no conception of thrift there is great danger that a reservation life and tribal relations may be exchanged for the pauperism of civilization instead of its independence and elevation the solution of the indian problem depends very largely upon good administration the personal fitness of agents and their adaptability to the peculiar duty of caring for their wards are of the most importance the law providing that except in special cases 
army officers shall be detailed as indian agents it is hoped will provide a successful experiment there is danger of great abuses creeping into the prosecution of claims for indian depredations and i recommend that every possible safeguard be provided against the enforcement of unjust and fictitious claims of this description the appropriations on account of the indian bureau for the year ending june thirtieth eighteen ninety four amount to seven million nine hundred and fifty four thousand nine hundred sixty two dollars and ninety nine cents a decrease as compared with the year preceding it of three hundred and eighty seven thousand one hundred thirty one dollars and ninety five cents the vast area of land which but a short time ago constituted the public domain is rapidly falling into private hands it is certain that in the transfer the beneficent intention of the government to supply from its domain homes to the industrious and worthy home seekers is often frustrated though the speculator who stands with extortionate purpose between the land office and those who with their families are invited by the government to settle on the public lands is a despicable character who ought not to be tolerated yet it is difficult to thwart his schemes the recent opening to settlement of the lands in the cherokee outlet embracing an area of six million five hundred thousand acres notwithstanding the utmost care in framing the regulations governing the selection of locations and notwithstanding the presence of united states troops furnished in exhibition though perhaps in a modified degree of the mad scramble the violence and the fraudulent occupation which have accompanied previous openings of public land i concur with the secretary in the belief that these outrageous incidents cannot be entirely prevented without a change in the laws on the subject and i hope his recommendations in that direction will be favorably considered i especially commend to the attention of the congress the statements contained in the secretary's report concerning forestry the time has come when efficient measures should be taken for the preservation of our forests from indiscriminate and remediless destruction the report of the secretary of agriculture will be found exceedingly interesting especially to that large part of our citizens intimately concerned in agricultural occupations on the seventh day of march eighteen ninety three there were upon its payrolls two thousand four hundred and thirty employees the number has been reduced to one thousand eight hundred and fifty persons in view of a depleted public treasury and the imperative demand of the people for economy in the administration of their government the secretary has entered upon the task of rationally reducing expenditures by the elimination from the payrolls of all persons not needed for an efficient conduct of the affairs of the department during the first quarter of the present year the expenses of the department aggregated three hundred and forty five thousand eight hundred and seventy six thousand dollars and seventy six cents as against four hundred and two thousand twelve dollars and forty two cents for the corresponding period of the fiscal year ending june thirtieth eighteen ninety three the secretary makes apparent his intention to continue this rate of reduction by submitting estimates for the next fiscal year less by nine hundred ninety four thousand two hundred and eighty dollars than those for the present year among the heads of divisions in this department the changes have been exceedingly few three vacancies occurred from death and resignations have been filled by the promotion of assistants in the same divisions these promotions of experienced and faithful assistants have not only been in the interest of efficient work 
but have suggested to those in the department who look for retention and promotion that merit and devotion to duty are their best reliance the amount appropriated for the bureau of animal industry for the current fiscal year is eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars the estimate for the ensuing year is seven hundred thousand dollars the regulations of eighteen ninety two concerning texas fever have been enforced during the last year and the large stockyards of the country have been kept free from infection occasional local outbreaks have been largely such as could have been effectually guarded against by the owners of the affected cattle while contagious pleuropneumonia in cattle has been eradicated animal tuberculosis a disease widespread and more dangerous to human life than pleuropneumonia is still prevalent investigations have been made during the past year as to the means of its communication and the method of its correct diagnosis much progress has been made in this direction by the studies of the division of animal pathology but work ought to be extended in cooperation with local authorities till the danger to human life arising from this cause is reduced to a minimum the number of animals arriving from canada during the year and inspected by bureau officers was four hundred and sixty two thousand ninety two and the number from transatlantic countries was one thousand two hundred ninety seven no contagious diseases were found among the imported animals the total number of inspections of cattle for export during the past fiscal year was six hundred and eleven thousand five hundred and forty two the exports show a falling off of about twenty five per cent from the preceding year the decrease occurring entirely in the last half of the year this suggests that the falling off may have been largely due to an increase in the price of american export cattle during the year ending june thirtieth eighteen ninety three exports of inspected pork aggregated ten million six hundred and seventy seven thousand four hundred and ten pounds as against thirty eight million one hundred and fifty two thousand eight hundred and seventy four pounds for the preceding year the falling off in this export was not confined however to inspected pork the total quantity exported for eighteen ninety two being six hundred and sixty five million four hundred and ninety thousand six hundred and sixteen pounds while in eighteen ninety three it was only five hundred and twenty six million three hundred and eight thousand six hundred and ninety five pounds i join the secretary in recommending that hereafter each applicant for the position of inspector or assistant inspector in the bureau of animal industry be required as a condition precedent to his appointment to exhibit to the united states civil service commission his diploma from an established regular and reputable veterinary college and that this be supplemented by such an examination in veterinary science as the commission may prescribe the exports of agricultural products from the united states for the fiscal year ending june thirtieth eighteen ninety two attained the enormous figure of eight hundred million dollars in round numbers being seventy eight point seven per cent of our total exports in the last fiscal year this aggregate was greatly reduced but nevertheless reached six hundred and fifteen million being seventy five point one per cent of all american commodities exported a review of our agricultural exports with special reference to their destination will show that in almost every line the united kingdom of great britain and ireland absorbs by far the largest proportion of cattle the total exports aggregated in value for the fiscal year ending june thirtieth eighteen ninety three 
twenty-six million dollars, of which Great Britain took considerably over twenty-five million dollars. Of beef products of all kinds, our total exports were twenty-eight million dollars, of which Great Britain took twenty-four million dollars. Of pork products, the total exports were eighty-four million dollars, of which Great Britain took fifty-three million dollars. In breadstuffs, cotton, and minor products, like proportions sent to the same destination are shown. The work of the Statistical Division of the Department of Agriculture deals with all that relates to the economics of farming. The main purpose of its monthly reports is to keep the farmers informed as fully as possible of all matters having any influence upon the world's markets in which their products find sale. Its publications relate especially to the commercial side of farming. It is therefore of profound importance and vital concern to the farmers of the United States who represent nearly one half of our population and also of direct interest to the whole country that the work of this division be efficiently performed and that the information it has gathered be promptly diffused it is a matter for congratulation to know that the secretary will not spare any effort to make this part of his work thoroughly useful in the year eighteen thirty nine the congress appropriated one thousand dollars to be taken from the patent office funds for the purpose of collecting and distributing rare and improved varieties of seeds and for prosecuting agricultural investigations and procuring agricultural statistics from the small beginning the seed division of the department of agriculture has grown to its present unwieldy and unjustifiably extravagant proportions during the last fiscal year the cost of seeds purchased was sixty six thousand five hundred and forty eight dollars and sixty one cents the remainder of an appropriation of one hundred and thirty five thousand dollars was expended in putting them up and distributing them it surely never could have entered the minds of those who first sanctioned appropriations of public money for the purchase of new and improved variety of seeds for gratuitous distribution that from this would grow large appropriations for the purchase and distribution by members of congress of ordinary seeds bulbs and cuttings which are common in all the states and territories and everywhere easily obtainable at low prices in each state and territory an agricultural experiment station has been established these stations by their very character and name are the proper agencies to experiment with and test new variety of seeds and yet this indiscriminate and wasteful distribution by legislation and legislators continues answering no purpose unless it be to remind constituents that their representatives are willing to remember them with gratuities at public cost under the sanction of existing legislation there was sent out from the agricultural department during the last fiscal year enough of cabbage seed to plant nineteen thousand two hundred acres of land a sufficient quantity of beans to plant four thousand acres beet seed enough to plant two thousand five hundred acres sweet corn enough to plant seven thousand eight hundred acres sufficient cucumber seed to cover two thousand twenty five acres with vines and enough muskmelon and watermelon seeds to plant two thousand six hundred and seventy five acres the total quantity of flour and vegetable seeds thus distributed was contained in more than nine million packages and they were sufficient if planted to cover eighty nine thousand five hundred and ninety six acres of land in view of these facts this enormous expenditure without legitimate returns of benefit ought to be abolished anticipating a consummation so manifestly in the interest of good administration 
more than one hundred thousand dollars has been stricken from the estimate made to cover this object for the year ending june thirtieth eighteen ninety five and the secretary recommends that the remaining thirty five thousand dollars of the estimate be confined strictly to the purchase of new and improved varieties of seeds and that these be distributed through experimental stations thus the seed will be tested and after the test has been completed by the experiment station the propagation of the useful varieties and the rejection of the valueless may safely be left to the common sense of the people the continued intelligent execution of the civil service law and the increasing approval by the people of its operation are most gratifying the recent extension of its limitations and regulations to the employees at free delivery post offices which has been honestly and promptly accomplished by the commission with the hearty cooperation of the postmaster-general is an immensely important advance in the usefulness of the system i am if possible more than ever convinced of the incalculable benefits conferred by the civil service law not only in its effect upon the public service but also what is even more important in its effect in elevating the tone of political life generally the course of civil service reform in this country instructively and interestingly illustrates how strong a hold a movement gains upon our people which has underlying it a sentiment of justice and right and which at the same time promises better administration of their government the law embodying this reform found its way to our statute books more from fear of the popular sentiment existing in its favor than from any love for the reform itself on the part of legislators and it has lived and grown and flourished in spite of the covert as well as open hostility of spoilsmen and notwithstanding the querulous impracticability of many self-constituted guardians beneath all the vagaries and sublimated theories which are attracted to it there underlies this reform a sturdy common-sense principle not only suited to this mundane sphere but whose application our people are more and more recognizing to be absolutely essential to the most successful operation of their government if not to its perpetuity it seems to me to be entirely inconsistent with the character of this reform as well as with its best enforcement to oblige the commission to rely for clerical assistance upon clerks detailed from other departments there ought not to be such a condition in any department that clerks hired to do work there can be spared to habitually work at another place and it does not accord with a sensible view of civil service reform that persons should be employed on the theory that their labor is necessary in one department when in point of fact their services are devoted to entirely different work in another department i earnestly urge that the clerks necessary to carry on the work of the commission be regularly put upon its roster and that the system of obliging the commissioners to rely upon the services of clerks belonging to other departments be discontinued this ought not to increase the expense to the government while it would certainly be more consistent and add greatly to the efficiency of the commission economy in public expenditure is a duty that cannot innocently be neglected by those entrusted with the control of money drawn from the people for public uses must be confessed that our apparently endless resources the familiarity of our people with immense accumulations of wealth the growing sentiment among them that the expenditure of public money should in some manner be to their immediate and personal advantage the indirect and almost stealthy manner in which a large part of our taxes is exacted and a degenerated sense of official accountability 
have led to growing extravagance in governmental appropriations. At this time, when a depleted public treasury confronts us, when many of our people are engaged in a hard struggle for the necessaries of life, and when enforced economy is pressing upon the great mass of our countrymen, I desire to urge with all the earnestness at my command that congressional legislation be so limited by strict economy as to exhibit an appreciation of the condition of the treasury and a sympathy with the straitened circumstances of our fellow citizens the duty of public economy is also of immense importance to its intimate and necessary relation to the task now in hand of providing revenue to meet government expenditures and yet reducing the people's burden of federal taxation after a hard struggle tariff reform is directly before us nothing so important claims our attention and nothing so clearly presents itself as both an opportunity and a duty an opportunity to deserve the gratitudes of our fellow citizens and a duty imposed upon us by our oft-repeated professions and by the emphatic mandate of the people after full discussion our countrymen have spoken in favor of this reform and they have confided the work of its accomplishment to the hands of those who are solemnly pledged to it if there is anything in the theory of a representation in public places of the people and their desires if public officers are really the servants of the people and if political promises and professions have any binding force our failure to give the relief so long awaited will be sheer recreancy nothing should intervene to distract our attention or disturb our effort until this reform is accomplished by wise and careful legislation while we should staunchly adhere to the principle that only the necessity of revenue justifies the imposition of tariff duties and other federal taxation and that they should be limited by strict economy we cannot close our eyes to the fact that conditions have grown up among us in which justice and fairness call for discriminating care in the distribution of such duties and taxation as the emergencies of our government actually demand manifestly if we are to aid the people directly through tariff reform one of its most obvious features should be a reduction in present tariff charges upon the necessaries of life the benefits of such a reduction would be palpable and substantial seen and felt by thousands who would be better fed and better clothed and better sheltered these gifts should be the willing benefactions of a government whose highest function is the promotion of the welfare of the people not less closely related to our people's prosperity and well-being is the removal of restrictions upon the importation of the raw materials necessary to our manufactures the world should be open to our national ingenuity and enterprise this cannot be while federal legislation through the imposition of high tariff forbids to american manufacturers as cheap materials as those used by their competitors it is quite obvious that the enhancement of the price of our manufactured products resulting from this policy not only confines the market for these products within our own borders to the direct disadvantage of our manufacturers but also increases their cost to our citizens the interests of labor are certainly though indirectly involved in this feature of our tariff system the sharp competition and active struggle among our manufacturers to supply the limited demand for their goods soon fill the narrow market to which they are confined then follows the suspension of work in mills and factories a discharge of employees and distress in the homes of our workingmen even if the often disproved assertion could be made that a lower rate of wages would result from 
free raw materials and low tariff duties the intelligence of our workmen leads them quickly to discover that their steady employment permitted by free raw materials is the most important factor in their relation to tariff legislation a measure has been prepared by the appropriate congressional committee embodying tariff reform on the lines herein suggested which will be promptly submitted for legislative action it is the result of much patriotic and unselfish work and i believe it deals with its subject consistently and as thoroughly as existing conditions permit i am satisfied that the reduced tariff duties provided for in the proposed legislation added to existing internal revenue taxation will in the near future though perhaps not immediately produce sufficient revenue to meet the needs of the government the committee after full consideration and to provide against a temporary deficiency which may exist before the business of the country adjusts itself to the new tariff schedules have wisely embraced in their plan a few additional internal revenue taxes including a small tax upon incomes derived from certain corporate investments these new adjustments are not only absolutely just and easily borne but they have the further merit of being such as can be remitted without unfavorable business disturbance whenever the necessity of their imposition no longer exists in my great desire for the success of this measure i cannot restrain the suggestion that its success can only be attained by means of unselfish counsel on the part of the friends of tariff reform and as a result of their willingness to subordinate personal desires and ambitions to the general good the local interests affected by the proposed reform are so numerous and so varied that if all are insisted upon the legislation embodying the reform must inevitably fail in conclusion my intense feeling of responsibility impels me to invoke for the manifold interests of a generous and confiding people the most scrupulous care and to pledge my willing support to every legislative effort for the advancement of the greatness and prosperity of our beloved country end of section three